Weston, and this evening I'm joined by the Vera Tucker and my Elijah, my good friend Taylor. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. You know, just uh, watching the whole Twilight series on Netflix. Got to play some golf. You know, it's it's been a really busy week for me, so I'm doing okay. I don't know how you do it. It's just a busy time to have to go through a romance about vampires and then having to go outside to then play golf with that in your head. It takes a lot of focus to be able to get through the tough and the rough. Yeah, I sometimes think back on how my you know great 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 grandfather who came here and lived in Pennsylvania was killed by Indians, so he went through, and I think yeah. about myself and the constant struggle I have to go through. Dude, tell me about I was, it. I was watching The Sopranos the other day, and it kept skipping on the same part for every three seconds. I had to exit out of it and then play it all over again for it to work. Can you believe that? By the way, did you hear that there's going to be like a movie? Yeah. Uh, how does that make you feel? It's fine. I mean, it's his son playing it. I don't know. It looks crappy, so You're there opening night, obviously, because you're the biggest fan. You say this is your all-time favorite show. You're there opening night. Maybe. I don't know. Who are you then? How is it your favorite? I just show didn't like the way it looked. I like it looks like all like gray and blue, you know? Like it doesn't look it's real. Like, it looks like it's a computer thing. It's like, yeah, it takes place in the streets of New Jersey. It should be filmed in New Jersey. It's like not that hard. Movie. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I just say how every movie now is computer. It's in a warehouse in Hollywood somewhere. <sighs> not Twilight. Twilight is all about real settings, real people, real, real love. Places. Yeah. Real love, man. I went to Forks. It was a, a very silly place. <laughs> the best thing about Forks was that you could just, they sold like smoked salmon in all the stores there. So you just like walk in and just buy like salmon and just eat salmon all the time. It was like seven bucks. So it's just salmon on a stick that's hanging out? It's in like a freeze dry bag. Nice. Yeah, We're going to have to go to Forks. I'm just, I need to go and visit the places, man. I feel like this is where I need to go. It's all, just we can real- go and we can go do a two-night backcountry trip on the beach of Olympia. And uh, and all you do is just walk along the beach, and it's beautiful. It's not strenuous at all. It's just nice. And we we don't have to bring the wives? No. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure this is boys' time. Yeah, boys' time only. All... all the only good time is boys' time. Uh, so if you forget, we're, I guess we kind of forgot. We did this exact same thing last night, and my um, estrogen-riddled you know, virgin MacBook crashed, and so we're doing this again. But we're kicking off the 2021 NFL season sponsored by Bush's Baked Beans, and we're starting with the AFC East division preview because, look, there's not all the good things about the Houston Texans. Um, one of the good things about them, though, is watching Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. So we're going to kick off things off that's, a high note with Buffalo. not anything to do with the Texans. I don't know. How do you say, oh, yeah, well, as a Texans fan, you can just watch Josh Allen. That's not a Texans thing. It's that's the answer a- to all your ills. No, no, no. Apparently, yeah. it pushes beans off. Apparently. 
the the newest uh, Texans news is that they came out with the Texans puppy because everybody has terrible things to say about the football team. They're like, maybe if we post pictures of this puppy, they won't say mean things to us. But not only that, they gave the puppy its own Twitter account. And they're like, oh, I can't go Texans, rough, rough, you know, and things like that. I'm like, this is the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. This is for children and babies. They're, They're afraid of people saying mean things to them on the internet, so they gave a puppy a Twitter account. But see, that would all make sense if this was like the Georgia Bulldogs where you're raising yeah. like the dog to be your mascot. Or so a baby just, bull? Fine, I guess. See, exactly. I don't know why. Where did the puppy come from? And hey, that puppy, Texans puppy, if I see you, it's on sight. Don't you ever step up in my face. It's what? on sight. I'm not afraid Hold to kick on, a dog. Hold on. Did a cute puppy though? I'm not afraid to kick a dog. No, is it a cute puppy though? Yeah, it's not. It's gonna look real cute underneath my boot. You know what? You, it's probably adorable, and that's why you don't want to admit it. It's on site, Texans puppy. If I ever see you in the streets. Okay, I'm gonna have to look up this puppy now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the big Texans news: is that they are so tired of being called you know, idiots, and they're so being they're so tired of being told to sell the team that they gave a puppy a Twitter account to hide. Beneath oh, the fear dude, of it. Look how adorable he is. Oh, that, that's a demonic entity. It's uh it came here directly from Moloch. Don't get dude, wrapped up in its lies. He's a Labrador retriever and he's ten weeks old. Dude, how adorable. Now I'm a Texans fan. <laughs> this is great marketing. You can get season tickets for fifty dollars this year if you want it. Well, with the puppy, I have to. So I'm in. Are you, do you want to go to a Texans game next year? Yeah, yeah, we have to. If well, I'm going to go week 18 against the Titans when they're 1-17. in 17. Why are you going to wait till the very last I game? I want there to be 7,000 people in the stands. What? But there's nothing that's happy in that's the, the stands. Point. That's the point. What do you mean? That's the whole point. I want to go see the Bob of Misery. At least if you're in the middle of the season, people are still wanting to no. enjoy themselves because people are wanting to see a win or two. Nope. If you're going the last game after full-on depression has set in for the whole season, Matt, so I, I want to do I, it. I want to see Julio versus Vernon Hargraves in person. That's what I want to see. I want to see Derek Henry run for 275 yards again. I'm actually nervous for the puppy now for the season. Uh, if I see him. No, no, there's no scene. Look how adorable. No, I'm going to be. I'm upset. I'm if a fan of Texas. So we're doing, uh, we're doing the 2021 NFL season preview. We're going to do 15 minutes on each team along with uh, the over uh, the I guess the Vegas win totals. We're going to give it over under and also give a cute little prediction too. And I'm going to keep track of all these and maybe we'll remember next year and see who did the best. It's you know what? I felt like last season we were pretty split. Yeah, I beat you I think by like 5 games last year. Well, no, I meant like prediction wise. Yeah, we did pretty good. Yeah, we just I felt, had that one. We had two really bad weeks, but we did good aside from that. Yeah, see, and you know what? I'm gonna say that we were probably about seventy percent, and that's a C. All we need is to see a passing grade. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I, think, I think the biggest thing we were good about was the Bucks being the Packers. That was my favorite thing we did. Yeah, that was easy. We were on that from the beginning. Oh yeah, from the start, and we even laughed whenever it came down into the playoffs. We said this is over. Yep, exactly. All right, so Buffalo Bills. I'm going to start the clock here for 15 minutes. I feel like we're just going to have the exact same conversation we had all over again, but just better. Uh, So the last time we saw the Buffalo Bills 
They were playing the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. The Bills kicked a lot of field goals. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was able to kind of do whatever he wanted to after Mikko Hartman had a fumble on a kickoff return. And since that time, they went to the offseason and really didn't do a whole lot. They kind of kept the same team. They traded out John Brown for Manuel Sanders. They added Mitch Trubisky to replace Matt Barkley. They have a second tight end here to pair with Dawson Knox and Jacob Hollister. They had Ife Udoba to rush to the interior. Matt Breida is like a home run hitting running back. And they added three backups in Forrest Lamp, Jamil Douglas, and Tyrell Adams. And they drafted two pass rushers in the first two rounds in uh, Greg Rousseau and Carlos Basham. So, I mean, it's pretty much the same team again. And they're running it back. And so are you expecting the Bills to you know, have any sort of regression all this year? Or do you think it's going to be another season uh, similar to last year? I, I think my kind of only biggest worry, and again, I mean, we've talked about this for extensively last night. So when it comes to the Josh Allen, that's my biggest worry. It's not to say it's Josh Allen, but from the leap that he made from 2019 to 2020 was so huge, such a gigantic thing that now it's not necessarily he has to do it again, but he's going to have to stay there mm-hmm. because this is the same team in a way. And again, we've talked about it. I'm just still not quite confident that you have to be able to take pressure off of the guy. So you would think you would have to mix in some type of running game. And with Singletary and Zach Moss only getting the 400 yards each, I just, I'm not confident. I know they try to work Singletary in the passing game later on. That's my biggest concern. Otherwise, I still have this team top three. I mean, I think we have to. Even with the AFC being stacked, the Buffalo Bills are still supposed with the defense being improved, with Josh Allen still being what we expect him to be, it's still got to be a top three team. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think in the AFC, AFC, I think it's like you know them, Baltimore, Cleveland. AFC's disgusting with how stacked it is compared to the NFC right now. Yeah, Tennessee and the Chargers. I think those are the teams that can compete with uh, Kansas City this year. And I, I would keep Buffalo in there. And like I think that's a good point you mentioned. Like the leap was so enormous that it's going to be kind of hard to expect him to have. You know, 4,700 total yards again, 45 total touchdowns again. Uh, but I still expect him to be, like, a top-five quarterback. Maybe if, like, the worst comes to worst, he's, a, you know, the seventh-best quarterback in the NFL next year. But I think one of the things I'm actually kind of excited for, though, is Emmanuel Sanders. I know John Brown was hurt for a lot of last year, but I think Emmanuel Sanders would be kind of similar to how Sammy Watkins was with the 2019 Chiefs when they won their Super Bowl where you have so much attention devoted to Stephon Diggs, so much attention devoted to Cole Beasley, um, that you're, and then also if you get anything at all out of the tight end position, and Gabriel Davis is such a great deep threat too, that on the backside of the formation, if you get Manuel Sanders against you know fourth cornerbacks, you know third cornerbacks, um, I think he could have a good year in that role and be kind of like a surprising player because like I still think Sanders is good. I think he's a one of the most underrated route runner, runners of like the last ten years. But like he played for San Francisco, who was who at Garoppolo, and he was okay there that year after he was traded midseason from Denver. And last year he played for New Orleans, and Breeze could only throw the ball to Alvin Kamara on screen passes, and that was kind of all they could do. So I am kind of excited to see Sanders in that role. I think having a fourth wide receiver who's good will be able to open this offense up and kind of give another level where now they can run a lot more empty formations, a lot more shotgun formations, instead of everything kind of being, you know, uh, one tied in, one running back, three wide receiver personnel. Well, no, and I agree with you. I think that Emmanuel Sanders is going to be able to take some pressure off here. I'm just, 
It's kind of like what we talked. So you have Emmanuel Sanders, you have Cole Beasley, the anti-vaxxer galore. You also have Stefan it's, Diggs. It's Cole, and, it's Cole McCartney. Is, is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> and then you have Gabriel Davis, who you brought up. And didn't Davis have like eight touchdowns last year? Yeah, and they're all like over 40 yards too. Yeah, so you have so many guys here where I get what you're saying. You're pumped with the Emmanuel thing. It's just I don't really see how he fits because this is really – is this really a need? How many touches are you expecting him to truly get here? I mean, even like 50, 45 catches, that'd be a great year. You know what I mean? Like I think there's going to be certain matchups that dictate it. It's kind of like how Sam Watkins was in that Super Bowl run. Like he didn't do anything. He had that big game week one. And the Super Bowl, he had like eight catches from 90 yards because he was just one versus one on the backside of the play against like Akella Witherspoon and just made a ton of catches and kind of helped their offense a lot in big situations. And so I think they can kind of rely on Sanders that way too. The other thing about this team on offense was that they had a lot of injuries on the interior of their offensive line. And so they couldn't run the ball at all. You know, Singletary didn't break very many tackles. Zach Moss fumbled too often. But I do, but like they also didn't get very much of a push at all either. And it was kind of surprising considering, you know, how well they ran the ball the year previously. And Josh Allen was their best running back too last year. But I just think like if they're healthy on the interior, I think the offensive line is, is a good batch of players. I like the talent here. I like their run scheme. And so I'm, I'm, I don't think the offensive line, I don't think the run game is going to be one of the worst ones in the NFL this year. I think it's going to see a jump too. And so I think like, the biggest thing about the Bills is, you know, even the passing game drops, you know, it's like the seventh best this year. I think there's going to be enough of a jump up in the rushing game, their defense too, uh, to kind of fill in the gaps that they're going to still staying at that top five position at the end of the season. But isn't that, I mean, I know you're kind of big on saying that they're going to be able to like take that next step or at least be good enough. I just think their O-line's not that impressive. I mean, I think that it's decent. I just don't think that it's the greatest where once again, my worry is it's all coming down to Allen being able to be that greatness where if he's going to be able to have the eight TDs from rushing, 37 from passing, and just the 10 interceptions, I mean, then hell yeah, this is the same Buffalo team. I just, I don't think I'm going to get anything out of the running game still. Nothing I think on the at team, all. Nothing at all. Uh, nothing special, nothing to be able to tip my hat to. With the defense, I think you've nailed it at the beginning there. I think it's a top five defense all the way around from what they have with the corners to their safety, who is probably easily one of the best. I just... Man, the offensive line, I'm still not that confident like you here. They're getting pass protecting better than run blocking. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. They were good, at, they were good at two years ago, you know? It's, yeah, it's just middle Cody, of the pack. Cody Floor was hurt. Uh, Feliciano was hurt last year. Morris got hurt. Yeah, there's a lot of change around the interior. And so, again, like, obviously a couple injuries kind of changed all that too. Um, you know, defensively, they went from bad in the beginning of the year where they're like, yeah, they have to have – uh, Allen playing like how he's doing for them to win games. They gave up 28 points to Miami, 32 to Los Angeles, 23 to Vegas, 42 against Tennessee. And then they kind of like you know, got better from there at that point after the Arizona game. And they kind of turned from like bad to you know, mediocre and kind of end the year playing pretty well until Kansas City uh, scorched them pretty good. But like this is still a defense that was two years removed from being a top five defense. They added three pass rushers this offseason. They have pass rush depth, even though they haven't got a whole lot out of them. They kept Matt Milano. Their linebacker group's good. They have one of the better secondaries in football, too. And they kept Leslie Frazier as their defensive coordinator. Both him and Dave Bull didn't get head coaching jobs Exactly. Nobody is kind of interchanging there. It's all the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And so I think the defense is going to be better. I think this should be a top-10 defense. I think at, at minimum, it's a top-10 passing attack. 
I think their run game will probably be like the 16th best instead of the 22nd best. And, uh, and like even like the worst thing happens to Buffalo, which is like a top seven passing game instead of a top five, top three one. Um, I think everything else here is going to be good enough to kind of pick up the slack though. Well, and I will say this, you just feel like that with the Buffalo team. The reason why you're having to always say that they're going to be a top five team, it's because they have both sides of the ball at least. Mm -hmm. It's not just one focus. At least, even if I can say they don't have a running game, there's still enough weapons on the throwing game to make it work here. It's just the defense, if the Josh Allen and that running game is not working, you go the three and out, you're then putting your defense on the field. It's just them being able to last. If you're going up against a team like Kansas City, this would be the type of secondary that would be able to do it, though. Yeah. And this would be kind of the one or two AFC teams that you can truly trust, which is, again, why both you and I are really high on them. And I just don't see Buffalo truly slipping this year. I just feel like they're going to be staying the same, and I'd be very surprised if they're not in the AFC Championship playing against either the Kansas City or playing against uh, the other team, of course. Yeah, one of those teams out Ten- there. Well, Tennessee and then Cleveland. I was going to say Cleveland, but Tennessee also came up, and I was like, I don't want to insult them too bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, Allen last year was third in DVOA, fourth in DYAR. Like you mentioned, he had 45 touchdowns. Like, I thought... He was going to be good last year, and by good I meant like the 16th best quarterback. I didn't think he was going to be a top five quarterback in the span of a season, and sure enough, that's what happened. And so, I mean, I I expect for some regression here. I think it's just be very difficult to follow it up. Um, but again, like I don't I don't see like some impending drop off. I don't see Al reverting to some sort of bad spot. All you need to do is just always remember Stefan Diggs watching the other team on the field. That's all you need to know about how serious this team is. Stefan Diggs watched another team celebrate. With his hands on his head. Furious. And he wasn't insulting them. It wasn't bad mouthing. It was strictly, I just want this. That I I need to see it. Yes. Whenever I'm lifting weights in three months, this is what I'm remembering. This is what I'm feeling. It reminds me so much of like the San Antonio Spurs losing to Miami. And then Greg Popovich the next season, all he did was play them the finals game that they should have won. Yeah. So it's them being able to have that, because it's not insulting like you blew it. It's more like you had your chance, and you should have been the team that went up against the Bucks. Because I'll also ask you, Matt, would it have been better if it was Buffalo versus Tampa? I think, yeah, of course it would have been better. I think it would have been better, too. I think it would have been more enjoyable for everybody. In the end, but Josh Allen also didn't start too hard, from what I remember. No, I mean, they... I don't know. They kind of ran, they try to run the ball more than they should have because they're playing against the Chiefs yeah. bad, you know, bad like run defense. That's uh, not I have a good tidbit here that Stefan Diggs was the most valuable receiver running curls and slant routes. Really? And it just kind of shows like he's an all around wide receiver that continuously picks up first downs and can kind of carry a passing offense <laughs> on his own. I'm also like really excited to see Gabriel Davis this year too. Like he was pretty much a deep threat last season. I think like with the amount of speed he has, he can be an all-around wide receiver and be like a true number two on the outside. And so, if you play fantasy football, I think uh, Gabriel Davis would be a great pickup in you know the ninth round or whatever it's going to be. Who'd you rather pick up, Gabriel or Emmanuel? Uh, Gabriel. Who's going to get more touches? I'd say Gabriel. More TDs. I like Emmanuel more from like a football reason, you know, not necessarily like, like a production Emmanuel. thing. You just have like a little thing for Emmanuel. That's it. It's probably just because you like saying his name. Emmanuel's a pretty good name. It is. There's like a nicknames come off of it, you know. You'd be E Man. 
You can Emmy. be Manuel. You can be Manny. Emily. Yeah, you can be Emanily. Yeah. A lot of good names that come off of it. It's wonderful. All right, so who do you think leads this team in sacks? They got Jerry Hughes, age 33, Vernon Butler, Ed Oliver, Mario Addison, A.J. Espineza, Boogie Basham, Greg Rousseau. Who do you think leads this team in sacks this year? I was going to say, I think it's going to be the Bash brother. You, like I think, ba- you think right away he's going yeah. to produce a, we, uh, as a rookie this year? That's exactly what I'm thinking, and it's only because – it's the one guy that you're not truly, or at least I would hope, teams aren't expecting to automatically be able to have a breakout season. But he's going to be the guy that I'm going to hang my hat to as the one that's going to be able to get in, hit the quarterback, and have a great rookie season. Yeah. All right. Well, so my we're getting here to the, the cute little prediction. And for mine here for Buffalo, it's Ed Oliver, Pro Bowl season. He's flashed a lot. He's been like, he's made some incredible plays. You're like, I can't believe he did that. Um, he's, you know, he's been, I don't know, like, like the flashes are there. It's just like, he doesn't have that consistent uh, play to play by play performance. And last year he got rest in the off season too. And everybody was kind of expecting this out of him. And you never see a player get a rest in the off season. And then he has the best year of his career. It never works out like that. It's always kind of a, a down year. And then the new kind of year come back from that. Uh, so at Oliver entering year three, I think he's going to be a pro bowler. I think we've always said this, that it's always the year after. That if you look up everybody's drunk driving record, it's always the bad year, but then it's the year after that then they become something. This is Melvin Gordon's year. I don't know about that one. Not I'm that still one. not going the Melvin Gordon thing. I'm not going there. All right, so for my prediction here, I'm going to say, I'm going to go against everything I just mentioned. I'm going to say that one of these running backs break away. I'm going to say that it's either going to be decided between Moss, Singletary, this season, one of them is going to have 1,000 yards. I hope it just ends up being Matt Breida instead. Well, that would be amazing because everyone believed that what's-his-face down in Miami didn't know how to use him at all. Yeah, he just hurt. Well, but also, too, he truly, whenever Breida was breaking away and whenever he was making moves, he immediately pulled him. Yeah, well, I mean, like he played in San Francisco last year. He was just hurt. It's just still the moment that Brita gets 20 yards. Okay, well, let's bring in somebody else. Why? Yeah. Why? Uh, he's allergic to, to success, you know. Some people are like that. I hate it. All right, so the over-under here for the Bills, 10.5 wins. Are you taking the over or the under? Yeah, with, with 17 games, how do you not take the over? So you're saying that Buffalo is not going to go 11-6. and six. This is so easy. I would put all of my money on this. Yeah, I'm taking the over two. I'm going twelve and five. Yeah, I'm gonna put them at overall. I'm gonna say probably you're at, but for the sake of this, I'll say still eleven and six. I don't think it matters though. It's no. still over. I mean, nothing matters, you know. But no, right now because this is all just us predicting the future. Yeah, call me now for your free football reading. Exactly. How else am I doing this without my ball? Uh huh. So next mm-hmm. team here, the Miami Dolphins. So the last time we saw the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> you said that like with all thoughts, like, ooh, the Miami Dolphin. Yeah. You just had a dolph sound right there. <laughs> we're professionals here. Uh, the last time we saw the Miami Dolphins, it was week 17. They were playing the Buffalo Bills on the road. They got the tea, they got their uh, thing cut off, turned into soup, and I think they lost like 52-36. And even Mac Bartley uh, completely obliterated them too. And so that's why they missed the postseason. 
This past draft, they had two first-round picks thanks to Larry Tunsil. They had two second-round picks. This is a roster of five first-round picks on it, four first-round picks in just the last two drafts, a ton of cap space. Um, they went to work this year. Like they, This offseason, they had Will Fuller. They added Alan Butler. They added Justin Coleman, Matt Skura, Malcolm Brown, Nardrick McKinney, Jason McCourty. You know, some good players here. They didn't really lose a whole lot, though, which is kind of one thing, except from Kyle Van Noy, who they cut you know, on purpose. But it's the same team kind as last year, just better. They just have more good players, uh, more good young players, too. And uh, I think you're very excited for this Miami team. Um, Kind of. I would be if they didn't have just a Hawaiian that I don't like. And that's just because I don't trust the guy where he has now so many weapons to be able to work with. Again, I'm just still not a fan of the Miami running game because we've talked about Gaskin before. He's okay in spurts, but I'm not truly confident. He's better than passing game. Tua just is all about, I'm going to take the safest play I can possibly take, and it's going to work out. Oh, look, here's a three-yard pass. Let me just throw it. And also, when your coach doesn't trust you and your rookie, and he's like, let me throw in the guy that's going to win me the game, I don't see how that sits well with the young guy. All of the weapons, even on offense, defense, they have it all. I just hate Tua. You hate him? I, it's because it's, for example, with a guy like Tua, and then you try to tell me Tim Tebow is bad. I don't understand the difference in gameplay. That's what I mean. These guys are not playing any different to me, but yet people are like, oh, look, even Lamar Jackson I'll put in there. Oh, look, this guy made this one great throw out of 30 chances. Well, that's wonderful, but in the end, it's not good enough, and it's not going to win you the big games. Who are the ones that are always in the playoffs in the Super Bowl? The big throwers. Josh Allen. Big big thrower. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that. So, like, him and Ryan Fitzpatrick last year, the biggest difference was that Fitzpatrick was really good under pressure. And Tua started nine games. You know, it wasn't like he only started a handful. He started nine. They kept pulling him for Fitzpatrick. Yeah, late in the year. And also, just Fitzpatrick threw the ball downfield more often. He averaged 7.2 net yards a pass attempt. Uh, Tua averaged 5.4. And that's one point yard difference, you know. And so that was kind of the two biggest difference. I think the one thing, like, I, like Tua, I don't know enough to feel like, oh, I can't wait to watch Tua this year. Or I hate Tua. Like, you, I'm just like... It's like a, he's like a glass of tap water for me right now, like a goldfish in it. And he, I, I think he can do the following things. He's pretty mobile. He can escape pressure. He doesn't really run at all. I like the fact that he's left-handed. And he can throw the seam. He can throw a slant. He can throw a drag. And he can throw in the flat. But even then, he was one of the worst quarterbacks at creating yards after the catch. And that's kind of what worries me about this offense. Like By adding Fuller, by drafting Jalen Waddle, by the existing wide receivers they have in skill players, yeah, I really think this offense could be good in a setup where it's like a lot of short throws, a lot of screen passes, a lot of stuff where they're trying to get stuff after the catch. But with Tua's inability to be able to create anything, and also offensive coordinators, you know, former Houston Texans offense coordinator George Godsey and uh, Eric Studsville, who are co-offensive coordinators, this is Studsville's first job, I just don't trust it. Like, I don't fully buy in on it. So I'm kind of like, I, I just, it's very gray to me, but it's more like a, a dark gray, you know? Well, it just seems like that even with Miami, they at least seem like that they were going to add some guys on the offensive line. They have now added the weapons where you you even brought them up. Will Fuller, you have Devontae Parker, and then you draft Jalen Waddle at number six. 
So you're giving him everything that you could possibly give him. By the way, Waddle and them, him played with each other? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, so they at least already have a relationship, he's, correct? He's passes to him. Yeah, so that's all you already need. So you're already trying to get some familiarity with the guy to be able to hopefully say, hey, you should throw it downfield and let's see how it works. I just can never see Tua being that guy. Was he that in college? I mean, I think his like sophomore year he was. But like it, last year's a weird year for him though. He had the hip injury he was coming back from with COVID. He didn't get to practice, you know, inside. The, you know, they didn't have the full practices, a lot of Zoom meetings and that sort of thing. I think he just lost a lot, and you know, I think he learned on the fly some. But again, like I just I don't feel a whole lot about it, but it's trending downwards for me. I'm still going to be that it's just even keel. I'm wanting this team to be able to take the next step here. I'm wanting them to be this good of a team that I feel like they should be. And, you, I mean, again, you have everything. Uh, by the way, is Xavier Howard and them okay? Or are they talking about, like, trading him now? No, I think he's fine. Is there a contract dispute going on with them? No, he already resigned a contract. Okay, so then if you already have Xavier Howard and then you already have Byron Jones, you're having things out there to be able to have the turnovers. Because what we've even talked about before, do you think that they're going to be this turnover machine that they were last year? No, probably not. What do you mean probably not? They Why forced can't a lot we... of turnovers last year. And Howard you usually had... don't force so many turnovers the year after. Why are we doing this? Howard had 10 interceptions. He's going to be able to do it again. This is the secondary that is going to be able to keep making plays. That's what's making this team fun. And then if you also have the other guys on the offensive side just running downfield the whole time, you're just throwing it everywhere. Everyone's catching balls except Tua. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I like their composition, their skill players. Like, I love Gasecki. He catches everything. I love Wolf Fuller. I think he offers, like, so they're missing the offense, just his ability to make plays down the sideline. But he hasn't shown the ability to throw any passes down the sideline either. And it's in the Devontae Parker. Like he's Parker's one of those receivers who doesn't create a whole lot of separation. So like throwing the ball is kind of difficult, but he's more about like making contested catches. And Tua hasn't had an awful like if they had a really awful relationship last year. They were throwing coffee at each other. They were crying through, you know, bleeding mascara. It was a tough go around for him. I hope that we throw a coffee at each other? Yeah. But, not like, but like, you throw high on purpose, you know, just to spook them a little bit. You know gotcha. I mean? <laughs> it wasn't a full, like, taking the whole mug and pouring on their face. Nothing like that. Just a little spooking is all it was. Of course um, But, yeah, I mean, like, the I think I love what they have here in place. But, again, it's it's the quarterback. It's the offensive coordinator. It's just the fact that he hasn't done a whole lot of crane guards after the catch. And the offensive line here is young. It's talented. They just haven't been good yet at all. And so like, you'd expect, you know, an improvement this year. Uh, but it's one of those offensive lines that, like, until we see it happens, we don't really know. And the Dolphins really kind of based around last year getting the ball out pretty quickly, too. So uh, can they pass protect long enough for Fuller and Parker get open? You know, that's something we don't know just yet either. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, they were so quick on offense because they were throwing three-yard passes the whole day. Exactly. Damn. So is that because of Tua? Is that because of the offensive that's line? Tua. That was yeah. two all the way. And that was just because that's the first thing that he only looked at. It was one thing that he looked at, and it was called, I want to throw the three-yard pass to get completions and to just see something. Because otherwise, he's not taking the shots down the field. It's something about timid with these new guys where it's you're going to have to take the chances. I know you don't want to turn the ball over and everyone's going to make fun of you, but I would rather have everyone make fun of you instead of you refusing to throw the ball downfield. Yeah. 
I think so too. But like, can they pass protect long enough if he even wants to go deep? And that's kind of one of the questions also. Um, defensively, like you already alluded to, they forced a lot of turnovers last year, and you usually don't force so many turnovers year to year. But, I mean, this is a very aggressive defense. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's a headache for me watching it. I can imagine playing quarterback. I think I would you know, call him sick and say, ah, the food I, it was a little bit too spicy last night. The meat was a little too pink the night before. I don't know if I can play a day because it looks like a migraine just, uh, just even watching from the computer screen how I watch the game on. And they blitz a good amount, but they also show a bunch of blitzers. They don't blitz people. They drop guys back. Andrew Van Grinkle, I think, had like four touchdowns last year just making big plays. And they added a lot on the defense, too. They traded for Bernard McKinney. He usually helped with their run defense issues. They drafted Jalen Phillips, uh, who I personally love. And they also added Adam Butler, who's like one, who's a really good interior rusher from the Patriots, too. So they improved on their run defense. They added another body for their pass protection, for their pass rushing. If like he's able to get going real well, along with Ogba on the outside, this may be a defense that doesn't have to blitz, you know, five or six to create pressure, which would just make them even that more difficult and complicated to play against too. So then who's your favorite pass rusher? Well, uh, so my tidbit prediction this year is Jalen Phillips is going to win defensive rookie of the year. So I'm going to go Jalen Phillips. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I mean, but to your point, it does seem like that Miami has it on both sides with the backfield as well as with the rushers here because you also have Ogba too, correct? Yeah, he had nine sacks finally. Yeah, so it's kind of a breakout year for Ogba. Boom! So you already have the guys that are going to be able to make the plays here. And by the way, man, I'm sorry, but I'm reading something on Xavier Howard. Some of the one of my uh, little insider sources posted something where it was about the Saints. One of their players tweeted about Xavier Howard going to them. Oh yeah, being traded. They do this every year, though. I know it just bothers me whenever you have this is the problem with Miami. Miami's so weird. When you have the team already intact, stop trying to just screw it up. Pay your players that you've already need to pay. I it's that paid. I thought he it doesn't show he has. That's what's now making me worry. Um Yeah, I don't I thought he already got paid. I'm very confused right now. Well, me too. But again, it was somebody that tweeted who was it? Hold on. I want to show you the t- let me do this. Let me look this up. Hold on. Yeah, see? All right. He signed a five-year, $75.2 million contract last year with them. Then why did CD Deuce put down Lat, Xavier, CD, PJ, Malcolm, and Marcus? Sheesh. And the same safety. <laughs> like He's like making it seem like that it's just all, like already a done deal in a way. I don't understand what's going I on. I think he had too many cornflakes this morning, personally. That's probably what's happened. Because, yeah, it was this morning. Good Lord. Um, so the Dolphins forced 29 turnovers last year, which is first. You know, I, I will say, like, if you want a fun player to watch the Dolphins, you'll know about Andrew Van Grinkle is your guy. Creates a lot of turnovers, long, beautiful blonde hair, absolutely luscious. Uh, I would love to ride down that hair like a half pipe. And uh, just a fun player from Wisconsin, like kind of a mid-round pick, who's been you know, really fun to watch. So he's kind of like Kyle Van Noy without having to pay him $12 million a year. I'm happy for you. All right, I'm going to go back to this one more time here because you're right. By the way, you're exactly right on what you said. Xavier Howard, he was paid, signed a five-year, $75.25 million extension two years ago. Yeah. He wants a new and improved deal already because of his 10 interceptions last season. Tell him to pick off 10 more. That's insane that you're already wanting to have a new contract after two years into a five-year deal. Why didn't he sign a two-year contract then? 
Like nobody in their right mind would ever do that. Who the hell is ever going to, Miami's not going to give into that. It sounds like a Bill O'Brien thing to do. Maybe you, should play, maybe you should play for the Texans. Uh, by the way, would you like that? Uh, Bill O'Brien coached the Dolphins. No, and Xavier Howard went to the Texans. I don't. I mean, I don't know what they would give for him. No, I wouldn't want Xavier Bill Howard waste here. You can sell Bill O'Brien. No, I don't like that. Uh, my other little cute little stat I have here: two of last year in go routes, the type of routes that you know, Devontae Parker and Will Fuller are good at. Three for ten for sixty yards. Nine starts. He attempted ten vertical passes down the sideline. Nine starts, huh? Yeah. Ten. And this is why Fitzpatrick was put in at the end of the games in yeah. order to win. This is insane, and that's exactly what I talk about. Because we've even said with Tua with the hip issue, he's not going to be a runner. I don't really see him being able to run the ball that much. I'm not expecting him to be what's his Kyler in freaking Arizona. Yeah, Kyler and Skyler in Arizona. There you go. But um, I'm not confident in this guy. Everything else I'm okay yeah. besides running back, quarterback, everything else I'm happy with. Run blocking. That's fine with me too. It's bad. I think, no, I think this offensive line is better than what you're giving them credit for. I think right. they're going to do just fine. Are they going to surprise a lot of people this year? They are. I feel like I'll put it this way. They're going to be just the same as the Buffalo Bills offensive line. Okay. Interesting. All right. Uh, so what's your cute little prediction this year for the Miami Dolphins? All right. My cute little prediction. Miami's going to miss the playoffs again. Okay. And it's going to be because of Tua. Because of Tua, huh? Because of Tua. So mine is Jalen Phillips, defensive rookie of the year. Miami misses the playoffs because of Tua. So the over their win total is nine. I'm taking the under. I'm going eight and nine. No, I don't. I'm not doing this bet either. I w- I'm going to take the under on it. But the problem is, I would pick them at nine and eight. You would pick them at nine and eight, but you would take the under. Yeah, I would take the under. I wouldn't make this bet in Vegas for sure. But I feel like this is the team that's going nine and eight. All right. Well, last yesterday you said you would take the over and go ten, but I'm going to say under for Taylor. <laughs> oh, you do you have a recording of that? You have proof? Yeah, I I need to have proof of that. I ha- well, I'm I'm see this is what I'm doing. You said some bad words last night, some things that you can't say <laughs> yeah. it all anymore. So I have it saved, and I said, well, we don't have it, but I actually do have it, so I can use it to blackmail you whenever you run for office in 15 years. That's good because I feel like a lot of people would vote for me. Yeah, I think a few. I don't think anybody would. And I, mean, it's because, I mean, if Epstein got an island out of it, I could at least get like a 12-pack of beer out of it, you know? Well, that's why I wouldn't be able to be elected, and it's because I would then make my own island. So that's why I'm not allowed to. Mm, makes Who sense. knows what would be on that island, though? A lot of anime. A lot of anime. A lot of boys and a lot of anime. That's all I need in life. A lot of bouncy houses. <laughs> that's it. It's got to be a Batman bouncy house, though. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't count. It'd really just be you and Joseph. <laughs> Those are the only people that would hang out with me, Joseph, and then Colton would send his text. Yeah, you'd be like, come on, guys, come down to the island. So he's like, I can't. I have to fix these gutters. I have to breastfeed this weekend. He's like, come on, we'll have a good time. That's good, man, that you're going to be breastfeeding here soon. I'm, ex- I'm already making milk. Oh my god! It's gonna be like a Stewie and Peter situation. Exactly. Stewie's gonna win. Oh, oh. It's called colostrum, actually, right now. That's good. Yeah, I'm just. 
So the next team we have here, your favorite team, the New England Patriots. The Patriots are coming off a 7-9 season. I guess the worst season since, what, like 1999? I don't know. They won the Super Bowl in 01. I think it was 20 years. I think it was 20 years. Yeah. It's been a while because it's been at least two decades of them just manhandling their division. Because even whenever they didn't make the postseason with Matt Castle, they still went 10-6 and six that year. Did they really? Yeah, they went 10-6 and six with Matt Castle. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I remember that. So, yeah, no, I still think it's two decades. I think that's not an exaggeration. So the Patriots this year, they added $320 million to the contract, $170 million guaranteed. They added 10 starters and Matt Judon. Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, Jalen Mills, Nelson Aguilar, Davin Gacho, Kendrick Bourne, Kyle Van Noy, Trent Brown, and of course, your favorite, run-stopping defensive end, Henry Anderson. Ten new players to a team that went 7-9 last year. They're also expected to play the easiest schedule in the NFL this year uh, in the AFC East as well, too. And so, like, are you, with Belichick's decision to do this, they haven't really invested in free agency like this in a long time. Like the last time I remember this was whenever they gave Adelius Thomas like $80 million and he was bad and never did anything at all for them. So is this like Belichick being old and trying to put together a team really quickly? Or is this just like the right strategy to take because they are, you know, maybe a couple stars away from being a Super Bowl, Super Bowl contending sort of team again. Ew, what? A Super Bowl contending team? What? I'm just asking questions here. Man, I don't like where this question's heading to. I'm just Either asking way- questions. So what was the question here? I heard that last bit and I didn't like it. So do you think this was um, something along the lines of that the Patriots added all these new players, not in an act of like desperation to be relevant, but because this is the right move to make whenever you have a window, you have cap space, you invest in free agency to make a leap to being a Super Bowl sort of team. Yeah, except Bill never did this until Tom was away, and then Tom won a Super Bowl without Bill. And then all of a sudden, we're going to spend $170 million because we always did that for Tom because we love Tom so much. No, this is desperation all the way. I can smell it all the way from Texas, and I don't really like it. I'll give you this. Last year, when it came to their team, injured galore. I'm talking it was just beat it. 31st I mean, most injured team last year. Only the Niners also, are more injured. And they're always injured. That's why I can never be confident in them, and I want to be. When it comes to this, though, and that's where I would give New England a little bit of benefit of the doubt because Cam, being Cam, would probably need more time and an offense like this, even though I still think it's very simple. But when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, that's where Bill does need a preseason at least to be able to get his guys in the right places. With so many injuries happening, I can see why maybe last year they didn't make the moves. I just still find it very funny that all of a sudden we're going to spend $170 million, which is something that's we've guaranteed. never guaranteed. They spent 320 total. total. So that's what I mean. So 170 is guaranteed, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when, they have to pay that. When did they ever do that with Tom? I said whenever they got Adelius Thomas. They never did that with Tom. They usually would just trade for players. But it's not even you would get something spectacular. You never gave Tom, you never tried to give Tom offensive weapons like a Nelson Aguilar, who all of a sudden became a deep threat in Oakland. I'm sorry, not Oakland, Vegas. But still, it's it's a little bit weird for me and fishy. And like I said, I can smell it from Texas. Mm, I like. I think it's a good sentence. I can smell it from Texas. 
<laughs> I figured you'd like so, that. So they kind of have two different offenses here. I mean, I, I think first off, like I love their offensive line with Isaiah Wynn, Michael Wayne, left guard, David Andrews at center, Shaq Mason, right guard, and Trent Brown, right tackle. I think this could be a top five offensive line this year. And so they have two different offenses here. They have like the quick, you know, middle of the field passing game with Mac Jones, where like they're able to create a lot of easy open throws for him. Uh, and he's a very accurate passer. I think he's more athletic than he gets credit for. You know, I wonder why. And they have that offense. And they also have the Cam Newton power run offense where they're running quarterback power. They're oh, running zone oh. read. They're running the ball 45 times a game. Uh, what offense are you expecting from the Patriots this year? So it also, it kind of, but it also, let me ask you this, Matt. I'm going to, like I said last night, I'm going to answer your question with the question. When it comes to the New England, when is Mac Jones coming into play? When do you think? Well, this is going to ruin my prediction, though. For this we one. need to get rid of your prediction. I'd okay. ruin it. I'm picking, well, my prediction is that I think Mac Jones starts week one. Okay, that's not going to happen. So when it comes to this, though, that's where I'm conflicted. So if Mac Jones is playing, by the way, they seem big on him at training camp, I will say. But if Mac Jones is playing, I think it's going to be less of that run heavy. It's going to be more of a passing game. If it's camp, For no sure. way until that man can throw the ball. He can't throw whatsoever. So there's only one his, thing. His you shoulder's can't a horror movie. What? His shoulder's a horror movie. Yeah, I know. Like, it looks like he's throwing a javelin. Yeah, it looks awful in every and Cam. Oh, I look so much better than I have. I feel so much better than six years. Cam, shut the hell up. You're you 33, Cam. Awful. You, when the way he was throwing the ball, it was like he was dabbing while throwing it. It was the my only hope. My only hope for Cam is if he went down to Mexico and got some stem cells. Is that the thing? Are you allowed to do that now? Yeah, you can go to South America and get some stem cells. <laughs> Hold on. If I take those, is it kind of like South Park where I get to become like something special? Yeah, like you're, you know, that nagging pain in your neck, it goes away because you, Go. you got that young blood in you. That's good. So it's pretty much like a reset of your whole body where exactly. you lose a year. Oh, what if that's what happens? You lose a year. That's fine. Oh, hi, man. But they, but that year you lost, that's the same year the Texas Rangers won a Super Bowl. That's not the same year that the Texans are going to win the Super Bowl. I said the Texas Rangers. Oh, Texas Rangers. Win a Super Bowl. No, Texas Rangers won the Super Bowl? Yeah. That's exactly what's going to happen. That's all I've ever won my entire life. They have a better shot than the Texans. Oh! I mean, they just lost seven in a row. They got swept by the Tigers. I'm still picking them. Yeah, so I, I think it's going to be Mac Jones. And they're going to run this like power run offense that's gr- that they're great at. I think they're pretty much going. This is what they're going to do, Taylor. They're going to take the Tom Brady offense, and they're going to run it all over again. The quick passing offense, Betsy and Mac Jones instead. And I think he's going to be like the 20th best quarterback in the NFL at it. And like I, I like I like John Smith and Hunter Henry's ability. Yeah. Is that 20th? Like it's a compliment. Yeah, for a rookie, that's good. <laughs> it's not that good. It's better than Carson Wentz last year. That's a little different. But Carson just needs a new season. I, I, I just think like the skill positions here just kind of open the door for like an easy passing offense where John Smith can be like used in a screen game. He can be used as a running back. He can be used um, to create lots of yards after the catch. Hunter Henry's really great at stretching the seam. Aguilar offers you know, some deep playability. Kendrick Bourne's good at catching screen passes and kind of a little short stuff. Um, Jacoby Myers was good last year with Cam. I don't know if he'll be good with Mac Jones. It seemed like that's kind of like a special cam, you know, Jacoby Myers thing. 
And defensively here, their big problem last year was that they couldn't stop the run at all. They won the worst run defenses in football. They had Anderson and Devin Godcho. Dante Hightower has come back from uh, seeing out last year because of COVID. Jawan Bentley can't tackle at all, but like he's fast and he can get to the ball. Maybe this year he actually tackles. And they also, like on the edges, they have Van Noy and Winovich at one edge, and they have Judon Yuki at the other edge. Like It's a deep front seven um, and pass rush as well, too. So I really like this pass defense. I really like this run defense. I really like this run game. And I think like this is going to be the 20th best passing attack. And with the schedule they play, that's more than enough to be a playoff caliber team for New England this year. I agree. And I really want to be able to talk so much smack about them because I did on the last podcast, I picked them like the 28th, 27th. And I know I'm already going to have to change that because to your point, the defense last year was still good. I mean, they truly went against Kansas City and held them to 13 points until the start of the fourth quarter. So there is something here in this team where they were always playing close games, always being able to give Cam some type of shot that he just can't take advantage of because he's so horrible. But with this defense... Well, that's down- a Brian Hoyer game, too. Exactly. That's a Brian Hoyer-Jared Stidham game. And that's also what makes me worry about Mac Jones, though. What Jared Stidham, what happened? He's bad. He was supposed to be good, though. Yeah, that's it's the Ryan Mallett rule. You don't watch preseason games and think you know anything at all about this quarterback. No, Well, I mean, everybody, when it came to the media, when it came to, oh, we're getting rid of Tom because this is our guy, what a bunch of idiots. That's all I have to say about the Jared Stenham nonsense, which is why the $170 million, it's the desperation versus anything else. Because yeah. now you look so stupid, you have to try to make up for it. Because if New England doesn't make the playoffs, I think that is just hilarious. Yeah, it's embarrassing if they don't. Exactly. I think they will because, to your point, how easy the schedule is. I just don't – remember, this is the team that trade or drafted Sony Michelle instead of Nick Chubb. Yeah. Let's remember this. They've been bad at drafting skill players the last five years or so. And now all of a sudden I'm going to be confident. I just can't. I just can't. Keneal Harry, bad. Sony Michelle, bad. I completely forgot about Nikhil Harry. Talk about a guy that was supposed to be just big and dominant and just ended up being big and worthless. Yeah, like Kelvin Benjamin after the pudding pops. That's exactly Kelvin Benjamin. So you want to hear the Patriots schedule? Uh, Yes. So they they start off Miami at New York Jets, New (laughs) Orleans, Tampa at Houston, then Dallas. Then they get the Jets at Los Angeles, at Carolina, Cleveland, then at Atlanta, Tennessee, at Buffalo, then the bye, and then they end the year with at Indy, Buffalo, Jacksonville, at Miami. So then to your little thing about how you feel like Mac Jones is starting, I don't. I feel like he's going to be starting in week seven, week eight, meaning the New England Against Carolina, maybe? Yes. And meaning, though, I think that New England's going to have a 500 record, probably about week six, maybe week seven, they're three and four. But something's going to happen to where – it all comes down to Mac like Jones. Like Cam getting hurt. No, Cam, they're going to pull his ass. I mean, there is, he also gets hurt too, you know. Well, they're just going to make up that excuse saying that his shoulder never was fully healed or something was never fully healed because he's most likely broken in some place. I mean, he was awful those two weeks in 19 when he played too. He looked bad. Like, that was really bad. And like last year he got COVID, but he was already bad before he got COVID too. 
Um, so you're so week seven, maybe they start Mac Jones against the Jets after they lose to the Texans and Cowboys. They get te- they get Texas two stepped, you know. That's exactly what would happen because if you lose to the Texans, I think that something's going to be hitting the red flags or the panic button saying this isn't right. We should have won this game. Yeah, hey, or, at least you guys are gonna have a win. Look, I'm picking the Texans for a win. Woo! That's very sweet of you. The other weird thing about Cam last year too is that he was pretty easy to tackle in the pocket. Like he took some bad hits last year in the pocket, yeah. and like usually he would just throw one guy off and make some off foot throw out bounds that sort of thing. He got crushed a lot. Um, Mac Jones's Kubiak projections by Football Outsiders are pretty funny. So are you ready for this? I'm ready. Three seventy four out five sixty three. 66.4 completion percentage, 4,059 yards, 26 touchdowns to 10 interceptions, and they get 4% DVOA. Who, who is that? Mac Jones. That's not a projection. Who? There's, Mac Jones. No. No, 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 no. He is not going to have 26 TDs and 10 interceptions. Oh, my God. So the computer you might as well say his farts don't smell. That's all I heard you complimenting him that much. That's what the Jesus computer says. Christ. He's going to be like 18 and 18, 18 TDs and 18 picks. Enjoy the rookie season, which, by the way, I'll take that because that's not too bad. That's but there's what, no way in hell he's going to be something special. 26. That's, that's what my, the analytic says, so I don't know. The analytics are wrong as usual. Sometimes. We'll have this conversation again in March. Uh, so my yeah. key prediction is that Mac Jones starts week one. What's yours? My key prediction is I'm going to say that he does Mac Jones as a command until week seven. That sounds right. He'll be Texas. Cam will be Texas two-stepped. That is my prediction. All right. I like it. So yeah. the, the win total for him is nine. Are you taking the over or are you taking the under? Dude, I hate this crap. I'm going to take the under on this one now. I, I still think that this is also a nine and eight team, but I'm going to take the under on this. I'm gonna take the over, and I'm gonna go ten and seven. Is that a playoff in the AFC? Yeah, I think so. I don't think so. What uh, what would you give their record? Be eight and nine? Yeah, exactly. Eight and nine, seven and eight, ten, six and eleven. And then you have Miami at um, eight and nine as well. Yeah. Well, I wanted them at nine and eight, though. I'm not allowed to. You can't. I mean, you I could all you could say nine and eight. Yeah, what do I get though? A push? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. This is Vegas, and I can't do it. Well, you can take the under and think they're going to go nine and eight. All right. Well, then I'm going to take the under, and I say they go nine and eight, though. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Good. Well, this is just for accounting purposes. Well, I need it. All right. Uh, we need to know these numbers. Yeah. So the next team we have here, the New York Jets. Uh, this is a cursed ground. The Jets really did not want us to talk about them last night, and. Uh, I put a bunch of tofu in my GPU so we couldn't talk about them. But this time, the New York Jets. And the Jets did that thing a lot of teams do when they're bad. They find a team that's good, and they go, let's do everything that team does, and we'll just try to do it again over here. They added Mike LaFleur, who is Matt LaFleur's younger brother, uh, to be their offensive coordinator. They got Robert Sala from San Francisco to be their head coach. And their defense coordinator is going to be Jeff Ulbrick, not associated with San Francisco at all, but they're going to try to play San Francisco-style football in New York by running like a 4-3, cover 3, cover 4 defense. They're going to run mid-zone play-action offense, and they did this by drafting Zach Wilson the first round, 
and also Elijah Vera Tucker as well too to kind of round up the left side of their offensive line. Are you do you are, are you expecting any sort of maybe like surprise season from the Jets? Like could this be a, a, a like oh wow the Jets are suddenly nine and eight? Do you have any optimism at all for the Jets this year? Oh no! I thought you were gonna say, "Oh look, the Jets are finally have six wins. They're six in whatever, six and eleven. Look at them. They've actually made a step forward this season, which I think that's what's gonna happen. I think the Jets are at least gonna be entertaining in sense. The only problem, well, they were entertaining last year. Watching Joe Flacco play quarterback for him was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But do you like Zach Wilson at all? I like him, but I just don't have a good feeling. Like, I think it can work out with the Jets for him only because he's good in space. He's good on bootlegs. Um, he's good throwing the ball downfield. He's Scott good on Hopkins. the run. Yeah, and, like, that's what this offense is kind of based around. But <laughs> my my chakras are off. My my female intuition's just – I just have a bad feeling about it. Like, I don't, I don't like Wilson in New York, you know? Well, it just doesn't seem like that he's the right fit for this team. Which is isn't why everybody believes that San Francisco pulled the ultimate like, uh, what is it curtain, like just the yeah. But I think like, trick them in ways. I think, because, they, I think Fields was the was the Jets quarterback. But that's what I mean. It just seems like that the like, Jets. I, I don't think Lance was the guy for him. I think Fields was. That would make sense to me. I would be all for that. And the other, of course, quarterback that they should have had is to Trevor Lawrence, and they lost that sweepstakes. Yeah, that was the most important thing. They couldn't even screw it up right. Yeah, exactly right. And so that's where when it comes down to the New York Jets, I just feel like you already misstepped by losing last year, which is such a New York thing to do because you were supposed to be the worst team and you just couldn't even do that. So now you're coming into this season believing that they're taking the right steps because they've also added now a receiver in Corey Davis for him. They drafted a receiver for him. Elijah Moore. And you're now going to have protection in the offensive line. It seems like they are building a proper team in New York for Zach Wilson, so that at least gives me a little bit of hope that they're going to take their time with him and they're not going to do a damn Darnold thing of just saying, here you go. Yeah, I mean – uh, the only thing, so like, do you think Corey Davis is a offensive carrying number one wide receiver? You know, it sucks. Like, do you it's think fun. he's like a Stefan Diggs sort of like DeAndre Hopkins player in that mold, an AJ Brown sort of player? I'm going to answer your question with the question: Do you think that he's better than Robbie Anderson in this offense? Yeah. Okay. Then I, I, think I, would say I think they're two different players, though. But no, I'm just going to say this: If you think that he's going to be a better receiver overall then Robbie Anderson, then I'm going to say he was worth it. I don't think he's as good as the other guys you mentioned by any means. He's had one good season. I just think that it is a nice weapon to give a young kid because you're already drafting a talent in the receiver already. So you're already giving him a weapon. So now it's just now giving him a kind of, I don't know, how long has Corey Davis been in the league? Uh, five years. So as I say, you're giving him a little bit of a veteran presence of a guy who understands and who's been around to make him feel comfortable, or at least you would hope. And that's what I think Zach Wilson needs because I don't like him. And and Davis is playing a similar offense too. I I agree with that. Like I'm not saying he's he's Julio Jones or whatever. Like I'm just talking about just him being like a a guy who can be the predominant player to create first downs. And he wasn't that in Tennessee. He never was that in Tennessee. But he's tall. He's physical. Like, I think he's a good like 1B wide receiver. I think he's more of a number 2 wide receiver than a true number 1. 
that they paid him being like they that's what they're expecting from him though. Elijah Moore is in that. Jamison Crowder likes to catch twelve passes for you know sixty four yards that sort of thing. Um, Denzel Mims is like kind of Devontae Parker where he has to catch a lot of passes in space and you know Mims baby is is on a roll this year entering the season. But uh, I don't hate their skill positions though. Like I think it's fine. I like Michael Carter at running back. I think he'll take over for Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson. You're pretty early on the season. But it just like it just doesn't feel right though. There's just something kind of uh, gangrene about it, you know. Well, I don't. I'm not saying it's something off. The problem is, is that it's the Jets. Yeah, so that's part of it too. Yeah, you're having to convince yourself that man, I believe that they're finally going to be able to do things right. The only issue I have with this team is, do you like kind of what they're doing though? Do you like that they seem like they're taking their time versus in the past? where it seems like, like to your point, you feel like they're copying some teams here. I think that's a good thing. We're not going to listen to ourselves this time because we're always wrong. Let's look at others and just copy and paste. Yeah, that works until you find your own voice. That's what everybody does. They yeah, copy they don't other need, people until they, and so they develop their own personality, and I think Jets are similar like that too. Um, well, okay, so here's some good things. I think Mecky Becton is going to be like one of the 10 best left tackles in football after this year. I like Elijah Vera Tucker a lot as far as like his ability to get to the second level. I think he's a really good pass protector at guard. Like I think that could be one of the best uh, teammate duos in football for years to come. McGovern kind of sucks. Van Rodden's all right. Morgan Moses kind of sucks. It's like half their offensive line I think is gonna be really good. The other half's gonna be whatever. Um, and like I just don't like Moses and McGovern that much either. And Van Rodden in the sort of scheme they're gonna run too. And they're gonna have to teach him how to play. You know, different sort of offensive line. Don't have any tied in. So I'd say, like, there's four good things about this offense. Five, who's, if you include Mims. I was going to say, who's their running back right now, too? So it's Tevin Coleman. Remember him? Yeah. Ty Johnson. Michael Carter, who they drafted from North Carolina in the third round. And uh, good old P. Ryan. Oh, God. P. Ryan's going to end up being a starter in the I end like of- P. Ryan. I know. Everyone does. I think uh, Michael Carter is going to be the starter here, though. I think he's going to be really good. You think over Coleman, really? Yeah. You think Coleman will just be used as like a weapon? Maybe just kind of like a Cuts safety a lot of passes. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Just safety play for Zach Wilson to be able to get comfortable. Because I agree with you on this sense, too. Matt, who the hell's their talent? What else do we have here on this team? Well, last year, it was like everybody get excited for Chris Herndon. He's going to be a top 10 fantasy tight end. He had 200 receiving yards. Uh, Tyler Croft played tight end for the Bengals. Always would have like 200 receiving yards. So maybe one of those guys is good. And they also have Ryan Griffin, former Houston Texan. Uh, went back home to the Jets. Had one good year at Gase. Resigned him. Was bad last year. He's going to be there as so our third tight end as well, too. Man, they're saying they're thinking Ty Johnson is going to be the starter. Woo! It's going to be Michael Carter. Hey, man. I'm just saying they're showing Ty Johnson. I'm trying to look up who their tight ends are. It's really bothering me. No, yeah. Yeah, Chris Herndon, Tyler Croft, and Ryan Griffin. Man, I don't know who any of these people are from the New York Jets. So you want to hear the Jets' last five years of performance? Yeah. Five and 11, five and 11, four and 12, <laughs> seven and nine breakthrough season, two and 14. Joe Flacco returns. There it is. And that's why I'm going to say I think this is a six win team. I think that is going to be a positive six wins, not something where they're just going to look into. I feel like the Jets are going to be making the correct steps in the end. So the the defense here, 
So they have a few problems. I like their safety group. They have Ashton Davis and Marcus May, and they have Marcus Joyner as like a, a third safety here. Their linebackers are Blake Cashman, Jared Davis, and C.J. Mosley. Mosley got hurt in 2019 after signing a big contract to go there, and then he sat out last year because of COVID. And like that's kind of the key to this defense, you know, by like especially in coverage, like he has to cover the flat, he has to cover crossers, he has to rotate the seam to cover, uh, he has to run the seam to cover those throws too. And Mosley has never really done that in Baltimore. Not only that, he hasn't played in two years. And football is not like a sport where you can just like not play it all for two years and just kind of return. And so I think that's a big problem there. Their cornerback plays really bad, but the Stevens kind of mitigates it. And then their front four pass rush, I think, could be good. But I think it really kind of depends on how healthy Sheldon Rankins is. Because he, he was really great in 19, and then he tore his Achilles and hasn't been the same since. And so Quinn Williams is a star in the making. Carl Lawson has a great long arm. Vinny Curry is, is whatever. But I think it really kind of depends on what they can get out of Rankins, though, to kind of make that front four go, too. I agree. And you would hope that maybe the Jets, once again, are going to be able to put some pressure on people. But the problem is the division. Overall, it's them having to go up against these teams that, like what we talked about at the beginning, the AFC is too dominant. So the Jets are already going to have to play against Bills, who we already think is top three. Miami, who we think is on the fringe, going to make moves if they have the proper quarterback play. And then you have New England, who's just going to have a dominant defense. So now it's the Jets having to be able to make moves, being able to take strides in the correct direction. Hopefully their defense is going to be able to make plays. But I feel like they're going to give up so many points, man. I feel like, yeah, you're right. They're going to be able to rush the quarterback, make some moves. But their cornerback play is going to be so bad. They're just going to be yeah. thrown on every single game. And I feel like they're just going to be blown out 42 to 23 every single time. Yeah. Well, last year they had the second to last offense. They were before that they had the worst offense. The defense has always kind of been like slightly below average. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think the biggest issue is just the linebacker position. And it really kind of depends on how much front four pass rush they can get. Because like the, this defense does a really good job of masking weakness at cornerback. But yeah, like I think this is the worst quarterback group in football and that won't help things either. So out of all the quarterbacks in the AFC East, if we include Mac Jones and Cam Newton, rank the quarterbacks in the AFC East from top to bottom. So with the so top to bottom, all right. Josh Allen. Oh God. Oh God. I'm going to say, oh, God. I'm going to say, damn it. I'm going to say Zach Wilson. Allen, Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. Then who? Um, then Tua. Oh, God. Oh, God. And then I'm going to put Mac Jones. And then Cam Last. And then Cam last. I have to put Cam last. It's funny because like these are three top five picks here. When we include yeah. Wilson, or, or three first round picks, when we include you know Wilson Jones and um, the other guy, two of That's course. Really hard for me. Yeah, That's it's tough. Really, that was a struggle, man. I'm hurting over here. You're a little purple over there. God, I know what to do. I just I don't like that question. Yeah, I think I would go Josh Allen. Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Tua, then Cam Newton. It's funny that you're still not big on Tua, though, too. Yeah, I just like, it's very bland, you know? 
Oh, no. It's just nothing impressive. He's not a Kyler where he's shown you something spectacular. So for the New York Jets, do you think this is the final iteration? Like, do you think Robert Salas can be here for five years and he's going to build the next good Jets team? Or are we going to go through another revolving door where Salah lasts for you know, two or three seasons and the Jets are doing this all over again? No, I do you actually believe in Salah and Zach Wilson. For five years, yes. I do. And it's because what I hate, though, is that you would think the Jets should be taking their time because in the three to five year span, because you got about three years here to build this team up to what you want it to be. After three years, though, you should then be having some shots here to take advantage of the AFC because you have now the Kansas City where you have everyone getting older, maybe not as young and fresh, all like the studs. I don't know. I feel like the Jets are on the right path. It just comes down to next year and the following year for me. Not really this year. This year, yeah. I think, is step two. So this year is just like fun, get to know each other. Exactly. This is the first day of school that everybody loves. It's that first week where you're just meeting and don't have homework. Yeah, syllabus week. Exactly. Um, your homework is go home, have your parents sign all the stuff so we can indoctrinate your children. Exactly. And we can make sure you can take the sexual education courses. Yeah. My child's not taking that. Why would they? Of I'm course I'm teaching not. him in the over here. I'll teach him at home. Yeah, I'm putting a movie on. I'm gonna show him how it's done. Yeah, I'm calling his mother over. I'm showing him how it's done. That's how I'm teaching him. I don't. I don't want to keep going. <laughs> with this. Uh, I yeah. I think this is like. I don't know. I think it's gonna be a fun thing for the Jets. Good for them. I don't think it's gonna work. I think it's gonna be, you know, a disaster. Mainly because it's the Jets. Like, I think Salah's like. I think Salah has things together. He's not like, yeah, I'm gay, so that was a terrible decision. I, I don't know. I just I wish this was Justin Fields. If this was Justin Fields, I'd feel a lot better. And that's a problem is that with Wilson, you just think that he's not going to be a bad quarterback. You just don't think it's a right fit. Yeah, like I would love him yeah. in like, I don't know, Indianapolis, I guess. I would love I'll put Miami. He'd be great in Miami. I think he'd be great in Washington. Great, Yeah, Washington, Seattle. Yeah, it, exactly. I just this just doesn't seem like the correct team all around. It seems like the wrong city for him too. New York is now New York. I own that town. Forget about it. Yeah, it seems a little too hardcore for him. You know. I agree, especially what the media is already doing with him and his mom. Oh, what are they doing to him? I don't know. Making comments. I don't know. I think she called somebody like a whore the other day too. Oh, okay. Hey, was their dress like? Six inches instead of down to the knee, down to the ankles. Of course, you always have leg. Exactly. Hey, that's the way it should be. Only your husband gets to see that leg. I don't. I don't know what that is. What? What? What is this? Yeah. Are we living in the old times in the prairie? I don't. I don't we don't pay this mortgage for you to show that leg off to anybody else. <laughs> oh my God! I love it. I need to make those rules <laughs> in my household. All right, so my cute little New York Jets prediction is I think Mecky Becton's going to be like, so like next year, when they come out with all the top 10 left tackle lists, I think Mecky Becton's going to be on this list next year. I think the Jets are going to have seven wins. Seven wins? You like that? Yeah, you really like the Jets then. Hey, man, I said it's a stepping stone, and it's seven and 10. That's good. I know. Do you want to hear their schedule? Yes, lay it on me. Oh, I'll lay, I'll lay it on you. Oh, so I love it. So they're playing the 
20th toughest projected schedule. They start off at Carolina, the Sam Darnold revenge game. New England at Denver, Tennessee at Atlanta in the UK, the bye at New England, Cincy at Indy, Buffalo, Miami at Houston, Philly, New Orleans at Miami, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay at Buffalo. There's like there's a chance they can win. There's like six games they should be in. If I was any team that was going to UK, I'd just see Mealy pick up Blake Bortles for that week. That'd be great. And they just drop him the next week. That's the only player the Packers had this offseason was Blake Bortles. That's good. That's going to work they have out. the exact same team, but they have yeah, Blake that's, Bortles. That's good. Yeah, if, you, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm freaking pissed. The Jets' backup quarterback is James Morgan. And I think that's Never heard that to, guy. I think that's going to come back to haunt him. Like, I just – I don't trust the right side of this offensive line. And, you know, Wilson's kind of a little guy. I'm kind of worried about his ability to stay healthy for the entirety He's of the tiny. year. Yeah. Him watching the draft and him looking up to the other guys is like the saddest and funniest he, thing. He I've looks ever like he before. should be in a Fisher-Price commercial. He does. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> Toys R Us kids. Yeah, he's a Toys R Us kid is what he is. Uh, so the over-under for the Jets is six and a half. I'm taking the under. I'm going four wins. I'm taking the over. I'm taking the seven. Yeah, you said that. So I, yeah. I, I'm just worried about Wilson's health, I think. Like, I could definitely see uh, James Morgan start five games this year. Oh, yeah, I could say it. Uh, yeah, because I would think, though, too, I would just say that automatically. If they have already a losing record, if Zach Wilson just even has, like, a bang knee, for example, then I think that they would sit him for at least a week or two until he's, like, 150%. Because there's no rush. Yeah, or just until next year. Yeah. There's no rush. All right, so to recap, I have Buffalo going 12-5. and five. You have 11-6. and six. Miami, I have them going 8-9. and nine. You have 9-8, and eight, but you're still taking the under. New England, I have 10-7. and seven. You have the under at 8-9. and nine. The Jets, I have the under at 4-13. and 13. You have the over at 7-10. and 10. Hell yeah, baby. It's a fun division. It's kind of you. I thought it would be. Like, I, I'm excited... I don't know. I'm excited to put together like the list of like the teams I'm most excited to watch this year. And uh, Buffalo is a top five team, probably like top th- top one team. And I would say like New England's probably like 16th. Miami's probably like 12th because I'm interested in two. I think Miami's more interesting than New England is. I think the Jets are probably like 24th, 26th. I just think they're kind of bad, you know. Yeah, no, I think that Miami should be fun to watch without you having to they're watch. Just, they're them. interesting at least. But New England, I think it's going to be boring football. It's just going to be truly offense. Or no, I'm sorry, not offense. Just defensive football. The games are going to be like 16-10, every single one of them. Yeah, and draft Damian Harris like the third-round fantasy. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it first. No, you're not. I'm not even going to draft that guy. Have fun with any of their running backs when Burkhead is the one that's starting in Week 10. Hey, Burkhead's in Houston. Oh, he'll be traded back. Yeah, for... Uh, a ninth round pick, and, the, and the draft ends. The Texans are like, "What the hell? There's only seven rounds in this thing." God is again. You bamboozled us. And then he's gonna kick the dog. You know, that's exactly what's gonna happen. He's gonna kick the dog. Yeah, dude, that puppy's adorable. Uh uh-uh. I'm now a Texan fan. No, well, that's our show for tonight. As we kick off the 2021 NFL season preview with the AFC East. Next time we're back, we're going up north. We're going north to the AFC North. 
They're going to get a little chilly with the Browns, Bengals, Ravens, and Steelers. Until next time, I'm Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Bell Red Radio. And thank you for being on Still have to find something new since I can't make fun of Josh. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.